When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media, and welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on NJ.com slash Eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service, where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us, and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to discuss Dallas Goddard's new number one spot uh, 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 uh. Uh, the trade <laughs> the trade deadline uh and we'll preview sunday's matchup versus the raiders that is happening in las vegas chris we are taking off this afternoon right after practice on a friday how you feeling I'm doing all right. I mean, you set it up with the ludicrous already to, to, to keep going and get ready for his podcast, man. I'm doing all right, man. How are you? Uh, oh, man, I forgot the line. Uh, but I was going to respond to you with a ludicrous lyric from that. And, and anyway. Uh, man, don't slip up fail. on your court, man. So <laughs> I've been Christian pondering. This is a completely, completely separate note, but. It, look, if you listen to our podcast, if you're loyal followers, uh, please hit us back on Twitter about what you think about this idea so I can sell it to the higher ups. But I've been thinking about a great charity idea for Cowboys Week, right? So you and, and Zach Rosenblatt, like a long running joke, if you're new to the program, three years running is that neither of you have, n- neither of my co-hosts have ever seen the movie Tombstone, which I think is a top five movie of the nineties. Um, I'm a massive Val Kilmer fan. It's one of the few movies where like everyone's good in it. And like, there's so many stars. It's Val Kilmer, Kurt Russell, Sam Elliott, uh, Bill Paxton, um, uh, Michael Bean, um, Billy Bob Thornton, uh, Thomas Hayden Church. Like, you'll see so many act Jason Priestley. Like, there's so many guys in there, actors that you'll see in there that you didn't even know were, like, small-town character actors, like, in this movie. Um, it's my favorite performance of all time by Val Kilmer. Um, and it's kind of got, like, this cult following because... Uh, it, it, it just look, it's it's either Tombstone or Unforgiven, which is the best. It, it, either one of those, if you're a Western fan of the 90s, it's one of those two that's the best Western of the 90s. And in my opinion, 
Tombstone blows it away because Unforgiven doesn't have enough Doc Holliday-ness. Um, anyway, so I have this idea. What if I rent out a movie theater in South Jersey to force both of you guys to do it, but we also invite our listeners or Eagle extra subscribers, maybe have an appearance or two by an Eagles player or former Eagles player. Trey Thomas already said, agreed with me that, that it's the best modern Western of all time. So maybe we can talk Trey into doing it. Um, and we do it for a good cause. Uh, I think that'd be really great, but I'm sure nobody's going to bite at that apple. Um, anyway, a, <laughs> I like a, guy, a guy can dream. I might just rent out a place just for the three of us anyway, because I really need to get this done. Uh, <laughs> the joke's wearing thin. But anyway, um, so we're heading to Vegas. This is my first time out there. I know you've been there before. What are you most looking forward to about going out there? I'm a foodie. I'm sorry. More and more, I'm becoming more and more a foodie, like trying to eat different places. So for me, I don't care if it's a buffet, if they're open or just overall, just like that's what I'm looking forward to. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm looking, I'm also looking forward to seeing the stadium, man. I mean, everybody's saying some great things about Allegiant Stadium and, and it's one of the, it's one of the newer ones in the league. So I'm, I'm excited seeing that. Most importantly, I want to see what this football, if the Eagles can bounce back. It, and from that Thursday loss and see if the offense can get back on track. But for me, Food, football, and the stadium. I'm, I'm loving for that, but man, what are you looking forward to? I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, you know, I mean, we're obviously going there for work. I would just like to find a really good steak. That's normally what I like to do on, on road trips. But, um, you know, uh, my brother was initially going to come out and just come and see me, and he had a wedding to go to, which I don't know why anybody would schedule a wedding during football season, but that's just me. Um that's just bad thoughts so, by them. Yeah, <laughs> by I mean, I, my wife knew like we could get married in June or February, and that was pretty much it. Uh, late February, but uh, you know, I'm excited about it. I think it'll be fun. Um, maybe get a hike in or or something out in the desert. I used to live in Arizona, so I'm I'm very familiar with the uh, locale of the desert. So uh, it'll be fun. But let's let's get into stuff. So like you know, last week obviously the Eagles trades. Zachariah Ertz to the Cardinals. Uh, he's still wearing Eagles armbands as he plays with the Cardinals, which is weird as much as he loved the city. Um, we talked to Jason Kelsey yesterday and he had an all timer of a press <laughs> conference. Yep. Uh, basically dropped a bunch of F bombs, said it's easy to play in Philadelphia if you work hard. Uh, took shots at Ben Simmons, took shots at uh, the Jaguars, <laughs> you know, unprompted. Uh, it was it was a hell of a thing. But um, something that he brought up was the reason why Zach Ertz was able to thrive here is he was a good player. And right now, Dallas Goddard is the guy who's replacing him. He's in a contract year. Uh, he's never been the number one tight end. I mean, for short spurts, when Zach Ertz would have an injury or, or here or there, he'd be the top focus of the position. But he's getting the next 11 games to really prove that he's the guy. He was taken off the COVID-19 list on Thursday, didn't practice. I would expect him to, we're, we're recording this before practice. Um, I would expect him to take part in the walkthrough. I think he'll play uh, on Sunday, but really Jack Stahl's the only other guy. And so Dallas Goddard stepped up in the depth chart pretty heavily. He's going to be, you know, the Eagles have been splitting touches between Goddard and, and Ertz. They've had some th uh, 13 personnel looks where Stahl's gotten on the field, but 
really an 11 personnel with those three wide receivers and that one running back. Goddard's going to be the guy. There's not going to be a rotation there. When there's two tight ends, you'll see Jack Stahl in there. If they call up Richard Rodgers, who they just brought back from the practice squad, maybe he'll be there. Uh, Noah Tagai is also on the practice squad. Tyree Jackson just had his window on IR, 21-day window on IR opened up. I don't think he'll be back for the Raiders. Maybe he's back for the Lions or... Uh, when they come back and play the Chargers, he's got three weeks to kind of work it out. Uh, what do you see from this tight ends group, this tight end group, other than a lack of experience? Because really, outside of Richard Rodgers, Dallas Cowboys the only guy who has caught an NFL pass in the regular season. So uh, get into this for us, Chris. Well, the one thing I think that, and I, and I want to preface this by saying, Zach Ertz was probably it was the best tight end that has ever played within and for this Eagles team. So there's no denying that. But I think this gives an opportunity for Sirianni to actually use more of his offense because when he was with the Colts, they used a lot more 11 personnel. So that makes sense that he can open up and probably open up some more of the playbook to get into that. But I think for Dallas Goddard, I think this is perfect for him because when you look – when for me, when I looked at Ertz and Goddard when they were together, I thought you had to leave Goddard in more as the blocking tight end because I thought he was a better blocker and better pass protector than Ertz was. But I think now that since he's the only since he, he's the only t- the primary tight end one, you allow him to go out into the routes a little bit more. I think he's going to surprise some people by his physical ability and his ability to do so. And I think you'll see, I think you'll see him be able to go downfield a lot more instead of like that twenty yard. Areas, I think he'll be. I think he could be really good against a matchup against safeties and linebackers. So I think overall, when it comes to Goddard, it's really beneficial for him. Is I think, and I think eventually that extension is going to be worked out. As for the backers, you're right; they're very inexperienced. But it goes in the fact that I think that there's a lot of athleticism there, and I think that's what Howie Roseman tried to target for these last two years when it came to that position, looking for reserves. Because I mean, we saw that Jason Crooms, Hakeem Butler is like it's converting wide receivers to play that position. Because I think he realizes that when it comes to the middle of the field, trying to get be dynamic in that area and trying to stretch defenses is thin and take advantage of those matchups with those linebackers and safeties is very important. So that fact that you, they have, I think, I think Jackson's going to be okay. I'm not going to say he's going to be another tight end one, but I think eventually when he comes back on the field, he'll be all right. Stoll can be all right. I think he's more of a block. He's been more of a blocking tight end whenever he's been in there, gotten the snaps, but I think he can be, he can be decent, not serviceable. I don't think he'll be anything like, Noteworthy, like, hey, grab, run out and grab Jack Stoll on your fantasy team. I don't think he'll be that level. Richard Rodgers, we know what he is. I wouldn't be surprised if they called him up for this game. And Noah told you, we, we, they brought him up for the last game, but obviously you didn't see him like make a big impact or anything like that. So there's a lot of different variations in what they can do, different combinations they can use, and they each bring different skill set. But the one thing that it can be good is if they eventually do go with two tight end sets, they can be very versatile. They can stretch the field and become basically. With their with a lot of their size too, they can become matchup problems. Yeah, I mean, I think. <clears throat> look, I think Jack Stahl is in an interesting spot, right? Because the Colts, when when Nick Sirianni was there, they had a, a fullback slash tight end called, uh, named Ryan Hewitt, who has a very similar body type skill set to Jack Stahl. And like you brought up, great point about running a lot of eleven personnel. Um, I think this will also help them run a lot more 21 personnel because you want to have your best players on the field. That's why Zach Ertz was on the field. But 
if you feel like you've been holding off in the running game and you feel like you have Kenny Gainwell and Miles Sanders and you feel like they can work really well in tandem, that's a look you can use. But also, if you feel like Jack Stahl, who's gotten some fullback looks uh, in, in, in during training camp and, and the preseason, if you feel like he can play H-back, that opens up your offense as well. And, and we're both fans of the fullback position. I just think... Yeah, I, I, are you not? I, I haven't seen one in, in who knows how long. It's so rare. It's like an endangered species. Well, you know, on other teams, they work out. But anyway, um, so, by the way, breaking news, uh, the Eagles were, will wear white on white against the Raiders. Not sure if I understand that choice, given the Raiders' colors, but whatever. Um, so, at least they'll be clean, I guess. Uh, I, I think this tight end group offers a lot of potential. Um, they've got a lot of unknowns, but unknown doesn't mean untalented. And I've said that all year. I think that that's kind of what's intriguing about this tight end group. Speaking of intrigue, let's move on to the trade deadline. We, we talked about Zach Ertz being traded. I think the Eagles need to be sellers regardless. They don't have to word it that way specifically, but I do think that they should, if somebody approaches them with a deal for somebody like Andre Dillard for a day two pick or uh, approaches them about, you know, Steven Nelson for a day two pick, if there's a contender that needs talent, uh, I wouldn't, I would jump at the opportunity only for like day, like day three picks, even if they beat the Raiders, right. And then they beat Detroit. And so they're four and four heading into the deadline. Trading Andre Dillard makes sense for a day two pick because right now there's not a spot for him. Uh, there's an, I mean, Lane Johnson will be here next year um, because of the way his contract's structured. And so his contract will expire right as Andre Dillard's is because there's no way that they're going to pick up a fifth year option on a, on a swing tackle. So you're not really, you don't really have a place for him. You've just moved Landon Dickerson, the guy you stuck your neck out for, uh, despite his injury woes in the second round. And he's playing well at left guard. Do you really want to move him back to right guard? Um, Isaac Sayamalu, you've got to figure out that situation. If he's going to take over for Jason Kelsey, or if, is he going to stay at left guard? And then Landon Dickerson's your center of the future. So you've got left guard and center taken care of. And Andre Dillard is certainly not a guard. He's definitely not a right guard either, where you have options like Jack Driscoll and Nate Herbig and obviously Brandon Brooks, if he can return uh, to form. So I just, I don't know. I'm all for cultivating depth, but they seem to like Brett Toth. They kept him on the 53 man roster. They like that he can play both tackle and guard spots. Jack Driscoll has shown he can play both tackle and guard spots. Um, you know, they have LaRaven Clark on the practice squad. There's guys that can play tackle. And look, Andre Dillard's make, not making a ton of money. He's $1.2 million. But he's put together a string of four OK starts. And OK is sometimes good enough for a playoff team looking to win, you know, go on a run after losing a left tackle. Just look at Big V during the Super Bowl run. So I think if a team like the Ravens, who just lost Ronnie Stanley, but they're buzzing – and they really need a left tackle. If they offer up a third round pick, I mean, I would take that. Would you? I'm being greedy, and I'll tell you why I'm being greedy. I'd, I'd want a second. I know Dillard's not a world beater 
right now. But given that the fact that there's so much uncertainty, I understand that Toth can play it. And he, he played well during training camp, but he also played against a lot of the second and third team guys or, or against opponent wise. And also when it was inner squad stuff, I think the main reason why I want something high, because I want to make sure I get a good evaluation, total evaluation of Jalen hurts. And if I have, if I see the quarterback, if, I, if I'm a general manager, I don't want to, if I want to get a good evaluation, I don't want to try to evaluate of always seeing my quarterback under duress e- from either tackle spot. Because if you look at the right side, you got the pressure coming from the one side. If you got your blind side, then you got to worry about the quarterback stepping up and trying to, his clock goes quicker. So I'm not sure I would want to do that. I'm not, I'm not saying like, hey, you know what? I want a first round pick and that's what it's for the dealer. I think dealer's serviceable. I just want that option there that somebody could step in, and especially on the left side, the left side tackle, and can play serviceable enough that you don't have to have him worried about that. That's the only reason why I want a second one. I'm, I, I think there's really no space for dealer to go anywhere here in this offense, but granted, you know, offensive line. Team injuries have. I mean, look at the pace of injuries we've seen this year. So, if there's one, especially the left tackle, a team that's a playoff contender needs somebody to step in right away, and Dillard's out there for a second. I'm out there. I'm going to ask for a second. I have no problem at all with uh, trading like another guy. Like even if uh, somebody was asking for like Anthony Harris, I think that's another name. Like especially guys, the guys on the one year uh, Steve Nelson. Watch, if they've watched his tape, I don't think anyone's trading for Anthony <laughs> Harris. But hey, hey you, never, you never know. A veteran guy, a veteran guy who may play in a, a different system a little bit better, who's more acclimated with that. You never know. You but, pop, pop him in there. But let me let me give you a counterpoint to Dillard. Okay, with the second round all pick. Right. Cool. Why? Why would I give up a second round pick? You said he's serviceable. Serviceable is not a second round pick, right? Like I could give up a third round pick for serviceable saying like, look, I'm going on a run. He's not going to be my I'm just trying to better up my my weakest link. It's kind of sort of what the Eagles did with Golden Tate. Like there there was logic to that trade from a value standpoint. It didn't work out the way they wanted it to, but there was value to it. To get into the playoffs, they needed another weapon. He was the best available for the value. That's what I think Andre Dillard is, right? So um, that that would be my counterpoint. Andre Dillard probably wasn't worth – Andre Dillard was probably not worth a sixth-round pick during final cuts. Now he's boosted his value – you know, it's like when you're watching the stock, the stock market, you need to know when to, to buy out. And I think his value has never been higher right now. So and look, I think he's a serviceable left tackle. You and I were not. I would say you and I were the, probably the most tame with our criticism of the media group with <laughs> yeah. Andre Dillard. I didn't think he was horrific. I didn't. But I did think there was an extremely wide gap between Jordan Melata and Andre Dillard. And I still think there is. I think Jordan Melata is an ascending talent, a very good talent. I think Dillard is a flawed but talented player. And I think you can get by with that. Look at Big V, for instance, who's now playing right guard for the Lions and they're doing everything they can to replace him. So um, I'm looking forward to that Halloween game. But, uh, you know, (laughs) I I think – I, I think with the trade market, right? Like you're not going to trade Fletcher Cox. They can't. You can't trade Derek Barnett. You're not going to be able to tr- get even coins under the couch cushion for Ryan Kerrigan. Um, <laughs> nope. I think the three guys of value really are Dillard, who you can move, um, uh, Miles Sanders, 
but I something something tells me that he's going to get a lot of play over the next two weeks. I just have a hunch. Um, yeah, I, yeah, think I think they've been trying to preserve him, but I also think part of it is they know Zach Ertz is not good. When you have a two tight end set, you're you're, you're looking for added pass pro. I don't think that was Zach Ertz's strength. I don't think that helped them. I'm gonna I'm gonna be optimistic here and say I think Miles Sanders gets a little bit more play. If that said, if I were Miles Sanders, I'd want to be traded. Uh, anyway, on that note, <laughs> I think the other guy who has some minuscule value would be a guy like Steven Nelson, who I think has played relatively well opposite Darius Slay. I mean, he hasn't been a world beater. Uh, I think PFF has him as the 25th ranked corner in the league. Um, be- only because uh, the only reason why I'd be okay with that is you just traded for uh, Tay uh, McGowan. Tay Gowan. Yep. Tay Gowan. Tay Gowan. Sorry, I got Zach McPherson and Tay Gowan mixed together. So Tay Gowan and, and Zach McPherson, um, you've traded for, I mean, you have Josiah Scott out there. There's Mac McCain. I'd like to see what those younger corners can do. I don't think this team's going to be contending for a Super Bowl or the division title. If they get into the playoffs, it says that seventh seed and they get in at nine and eight, um, which is feasible. But if you get in at nine, and eight and you're one and done, I don't know if that's worth you know, passing up a potential day two pick and and building your team uh, later on. That said, I expect the Eagles probably to stay put, especially if they're four and four at the deadline. Um, If they're two and six, I would almost guarantee you that somebody is getting moved. I don't think Howie's going to sit on his hands, uh, but I I don't expect them to make a trade for somebody. I don't expect them to be the aggressor regardless in training camp, even if they're four and four. Uh, Do you agree with that? I agree with that. And you make a good, very good point with the, when it comes to Steve Nelson, I mean, you got all these young corners there. I think it's more, a little bit more insurance because you, because you got him and you have Avanza Maddox becoming free agents coming up. And there's a lot of uncertainty there. And I think you should get some of these guys some run to see what they can do. Cause I mean, Gowan's been inactive for all five games that he played. He was with the Cardinals. So you don't know what we have there. And, Obviously, you know, with McCain, he hasn't played at all since uh, he's since he's been uh, joined the league. He signed as an undrafted free agent first with the, with the Broncos, and then now with the Eagles. So, I don't know what you really. I really, truly don't know what you really have in those either the slot or or the outside, and both of them. So you expect to see. You expect you, especially with this year being for me, it's like for me, I see the views year as a transition developmental year. You have to at least throw them in there, at least if it's toward the end of the season. To see what they can do, see how far they come come along, because in, in essence, it's like they're just redshirting them, seeing what they getting them used to the system, and then later on in the season, see if they can throw them out there. But I, you have to know what you have there before, especially with all those draft assets assets you have for next the next draft before you make some moves and decide, hey, you know, decide if you need to get a corner within those first like within any of those picks within the top one hundred. You got to see what you have there. I th- I truly do. All right, so let's get into the nitty-gritty. So the Eagles go to Vegas this week. Uh, Obviously, um, the horrid and hateful (laughs) uh, language used in emails by John Gruden that were racist, misogynistic, sexist. He pretty much checked every box uh, in the uh, deflammatory sense with his emails that he sent to former... Washington team president Bruce Allen when he was a, when he was still a commentator for ESPN 
Uh, the comments were gross. Um, I'm of the opinion that if you were willing to put m- these thoughts into emails, you are very comfortable saying them out loud pretty regularly. Uh, all that said, he he stepped down uh, as the head coach of the Raiders. They promoted their uh, special teams coach, who has a name that I couldn't pronounce if I tried. And look, last week they came up with an upset win on the road against Denver, who now looks kind of pedestrian after a really nice start to the season they've lost uh what is it four straight games or three straight whatever anyway so they lost to the Browns (laughs) with Case Keenum in for for uh Baker Mayfield and they had a third string running back in there as well so you know I don't think beating the Broncos is really you know a badge of honor that said they get an emotional win this Raiders team is better than they've been in the past. You shouldn't shortchange them. That said, they have a very clear weakness on defense, and that's the running game. That's why I expect a lot more design runs, a lot more zone reads. Um, I expect some bootlegs. I expect some under center looks. Uh, and if I'm wrong, Nick Sirianni's 1,000% wrong because this is a team that you can run on. And Miles Sanders is fresh, like fresh. Um, and I mean, he's fresh for his entire life, pretty much. I mean, he was, I th- he had one year as like the every down back for Penn state in college. And then he's been in a duo pretty much ever since or injured. Um, so I think this is a good game for Kenny Gainwell. This is a good game for Miles Sanders. If they can run the ball efficiently in the first half, it'll open up the passing game. Uh, the Raiders don't have a really good secondary. Um, I have the Eagles winning this one. What, what what says you, Chris? I think that I have the Eagles winning this one as well too. But it's going to be close. I think it was like thirty one twenty eight to the score. I have, but the reason I think because I think defensively, the way the Eagles play with that shell, trying not to let anybody beat them deep, especially going against a guy like Henry Ruggs and not letting who likes to go downfield one of those nine rounds. I think that plays well for the Eagles. They're going Darren Waller. See, the thing I see is I see Darren Waller having a big game catch wide like when it comes to receptions because I think he can take advantage of everything underneath. And I think it was Alex Singleton who said it as well, too, like when it came uh, yesterday when we talked to him about how the defense needs to worry about the red zone and, and the urgency inside of the red zone and trying to keep everything, holding teams to field goals if they get down there. And I think that's what the key is going to be, especially because I think cars, Carr can get impatient at times, especially if he has to continue to dink and dunk his way down the field and trying to move the ball that way. I think he can try to put that ball, force it downfield, and there could be a couple interceptions that'll be had. So I think they do that. Offensively, I look at the Eagles as, as this, is a, this is a game where the run game should be the way that they do it. Uh, zone reads, I I, I, I know that's, a, that's a best, the best way to use Jalen Hurts when it comes to his legs and also some design runs. But I think it's about time, especially on first down, they have to use design. They have to call design run plays and not rely on the, well, we call the RPO. So that's what we want to try to get miles involved. But, you know, they looked look it and go there because teams are just playing. They're playing with the Eagles now and that they're using the defensive ends and linebackers to go give one look and then the last second shifting over. So I think they need to use a special design runs because the Eagles, I remember looking at this up, the Eagles were like 61, th- throw the ball 61% on first down, which is like one of the top, I think it's third in the league heading into this week. You can't do that. It's not win because it's at least a longer thirds and longs and, and tougher to convert and sustain drive. So go on design run. I think they'll address that. They'll have a few design, more design runs on first down, get themselves a third and shorts, convert those, and methodically move the ball down the field against this Raider defense. So 31-28 Eagles. 
Yeah, uh, I have the Eagles winning. I think it's like 27 to 23. I don't think it's going to be that high scoring of a game. I do think the Eagles big, you know, they're giving up the middle of the field on defense. And I think Darren Waller is going to have a really good game. But like you said, if they can hold them out of the end zone, that's that's a plus. And I think they will. Um, I expect a pretty big game from Devontae Smith. I think if Dallas Goddard plays, he will have a relatively big game. But like I said, I think this is the game you unleash Miles Sanders. Uh, I think it's so obvious that they probably won't do it. But I still think the Eagles come out. The (laughs) Eagles have played well against mediocre teams. They've struggled against playoff, like legitimate playoff contenders. To me, the Raiders are uh, a mediocre playoff contender. So they're kind of in the middle. They're in the middle ground. Like they're not the the Panthers or or the Falcons, but they're definitely not the the Chiefs, the Cowboys, or the um, Buccaneers. So they're kind of in that middle ground. And I think if the Eagles can win this one and beat Detroit, they'll have a lot of momentum going into the second half of the season where their schedule is ridiculously more easy. Um, You know, yeah, they play the Chargers at home. I think the Chargers are beatable. Um, Then they play uh, the Broncos on the road. We've obviously seen that they're beatable. Um, Then I think they have, what is it, New Orleans, uh, the Giants and the Jets. Those are all winnable games. Like, they don't have an uh, unwinnable on paper game on their schedule. So... I think the Eagles could be primed for a decent look if they're able to win this game and then move forward. I said a month ago that the four games during October, during the early part of October, were going to show us a lot about this Nick Sirianni team. We've given them a lot of criticism, but if they go two and two between the Chiefs, the 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 Panthers the Buccaneers and the Raiders, I think that's a really good sign. Um, And then they've got a matchup against Detroit who's hung tight in most games, but just can't put together a win. So I think, I I think they're positioned pretty well right now if they can bounce back, but they need to beat the Raiders. So with that said, uh, make sure you sign up for Eagles extra. You can do that via nj.com slash text. Chris and I love chatting with you guys. You can let us know about my, weird charity idea if you'd go see tombstone (laughs) with us um and then also make sure you download the no huddle show podcast and subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to podcasts for chris i'm mike we'll see you soon uh wish us luck in vegas